go. Bronner Ear by Led Zeppelin again, um, which is from their album Physical Graffiti. Um, second track on side three, I think. Physical Graffiti being a double album. Uh, initially recorded for their third album, but um, they didn't stick it on and they stuck it on Physical Graffiti instead. And great song, great hard song to play for the guitarists out there. It's uh, open, well, it's not a true open C tuning, it's um, uh, the fifth string is still an A, so from, from the sixth string, C, A, C, G, C, E, if memory serves me correctly. Um, if you want to find the tablature for that song, uh, totalsheetmusic.com. Uh, is what I, where I got most of my tabs. So there you go, Ronnie Orra, which I probably pronounced incorrectly, but it's some Welsh horrible name, so that's all you're going to get from me. So welcome everyone to the Pushing Rubber podcast. My name's Adam Piggott. Uh, this is the 12th episode of my little podcast, which is growing steadily week by week. Thanks to all you lovely listeners. And if you do like what um, I'm putting out, feel free to share it around. Um, here in Melbourne, quite a nice uh, sunny day today, which is obvious. I've been sitting on the terrace, uh, smoking a Cohiba Siglo One. Um, I don't have a drink of the episode. I don't have one here. Uh, can you believe that? You're not going to hear me drinking through the episode this time. Ah, I know you're disappointed, but ah, that's what life's all about. So uh this episode i want to talk about um i want to talk about oh let me put in context what we're going to talk about first so last sunday so about three days ago two days ago um i was driving to cricket training we're doing our pre-season indoor cricket training we have to do it indoors because melbourne weather is so disgustingly terrible and uh, I was giving a lift to one of our uh, club members who's actually um, a very famous cricket writer in Australia, probably one of the, the top cricket writers in Australia. He plays in our club, uh, which is a, um, a real pri- privilege to be able to sit and chat with him and, and talk about different things. Um, and we were talking on the drive over, amongst other things, about... Um, cricketers of the past and what you remember about them and he said something that was interesting to me he said well you know with any with any cricketer uh you only remember the good things that they've done uh and that's true uh and it's not necessarily true in other sports let's say european football or soccer as we call it in australia um you can definitely be remembered in that sport for uh something something bad that you did in your career a typical uh, and a very high-level example would be miss, missing a crucial penalty, maybe in a World Cup final shootout or something like that. And that's because uh, in in that sport uh, and in many other sports, it's in the case of a uh, of a of a soccer player taking a penalty. It really is him against himself. The the goalie. It just doesn't really factor into it that much. If the if the player shoots and sends the ball over the crossbar, so it's a complete miss. The, the, the goalie didn't have anything. I mean, he would have been standing, waving his arms. But 
It's in the, the player's own head that he's made the mistake. And for that reason, he can be remembered because he failed. All right? He failed and he only had to beat himself. Cricket is different. There's never a situation where it's just you against yourself. You're always playing directly against an opponent. So if you're the batsman and you're batting and you're facing strike and it's the last over of the World Cup final and you need six runs to win off six balls, it's doable. But if the bowler plays better than you and restricts you or even manages to get you out, you haven't failed so much as he won. And you can reverse this as well. If you're the bowler and you've, you're bowling that last over, well, it's you against the batsman now. Okay. And don't forget, there's also 10 other fielders out there who are also trying to get the batsman out. So cricket is always a team game. It's always a game against other players. You're, of course you have mental aspects to the game. But it's never where it's just you by yourself. Which is what makes it an interesting... What, one of the reasons why it makes cricket an interesting sport. I'd say that baseball would be the same thing. Uh, American football? Um, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that one. But anyway, so we were talking about cricketers and and um, uh, my um, cricketing friend made this comment and of course he's a very like I said he's a very high level he's probably the, the top cricket writer in Australia and one of the top top cricket writers in the world um, and then I thought of I thought of a cricketer an Australian cricketer who you don't remember him for his achievements on the field and he had many achievements on the field and and I said the name and I said uh, I said well what about Kim Hughes and my club mate looked at me and he he went ah yes yes you've picked the one you've picked the one so a little bit of a background Kim Hughes was the Australian cricket captain and he was a batsman and a very good batsman uh, in a period of transition for the Australian cricket team in the late 70s. So in the, in the 70s, Australian cricket had been very dominant. They had an exceptional team with some exceptional individual players. Uh, and then a lot of those retired, and it kind of went into a, a nadir period uh, in the late 70s, early 80s. And Kim Hughes was given the captaincy of the cricket team over that very, very difficult transitional time. Um, he didn't have the same calibre of players to work with. And the Australian public had come to expect the Australian cricket team to always perform well. So he was under a lot of pressure. What Kim Hughes is remembered for is breaking down crying at a news conference um, where he then handed in his resignation. So that one moment of, of crying uh, because he felt he'd failed, um, which is different from getting emotional and having tears well up in your eyes uh, a fair few cricketers have done that and the last one that comes to mind would be Ricky Ponting that when he 
formally announced his retirement at a press conference in the um, Perth test a few years ago. He did well up tears in his eyes. He didn't break down and cry. Now, had Kim Hughes literally broke down sobbing and crying that he'd failed. This is, this is a big difference. And that's what he's remembered for now. I, I can't think of anything Kim Hughes did apart from break down and cry as the Australian cricket captain. It's even worse to break down and cry. I mean, the, the Australian cricket captain, you have to understand, the Australian cricket team captain, the test captain, in some ways holds a place of greater prestige than the prime minister of this country. And we have had prime ministers... Australian Prime Ministers go on record as saying that if they'd been given the chance to do it over and be Prime Minister of Australia or the Australian Test Captain, which would they have taken uh, and they've said would go for the Test Captaincy. That's how big this is. So you're a leader. You're a leader not just of a, a team of 11 individuals. You're, you're seen as a leader uh, across the country for a leader to break down and cry uh, and then uh, resign his captaincy or break down and cry as he's resigning his captaincy because uh, he couldn't handle the pressure. That, that says a lot. There's a lot, of, um, there's a lot of failure there. There's a lot of things that are quite unforgivable. And that's because, as men, you're not supposed to cry. Now, I wrote a post about this. This was the 25th trait in my 28 traits of the modern man. For those of you who uh, don't know about this, I wrote a series of posts called the 28 traits of the modern man. They were in response to a ridiculous New York Times article of the 27 traits of the modern man, uh, which included the modern man needs to own a melon baller, of all things. Uh, The modern, modern man makes sure that his wife and daughter's children's electrical appliances are plugged in before he goes to bed total rubbish like this. So I, I wrote a series of posts, and you can find it on my blog, which is pushingrubberdownhill.com, but it's linked to on the side on SoundCloud here. And at the top bar, um, if you look on the uh, on the right-hand side of the top bar, it says, here be the 28 traits of the modern man. Um, 25th trait, and these are the traits that I consider necessary for you to be a modern man in today's world, which is a feminised world. And the 25th trait is the modern man does not cry. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, but everyone tells me that it's good for a man to cry. It's, it's good for a man to get in touch with his feelings. Now, there are only two types of people who tell you this. One are women, and I'll get to that in a second. And two are individuals of the male sex uh, who I wouldn't classify as men. Let's talk about the women first. Women think it's good that men cry um, because they're getting in touch with their feelings. So your dog cries, your dog dies, you cry. As I wrote, you break your arm, you cry. Your girlfriend leaves you, you cry. You get fired, you bawl your eyes out. You get married, you cry. Your friends get married, you cry. Your friends get divorced, you cry. Apparently this is all great because you're getting in touch with your feelings. 
Now, why is getting in touch with your feelings or your emotions an intrinsically good idea? It's just assumed that getting in touch with your emotions is a good idea. Well, I'd like to challenge that. I'd like to posit that getting in touch with your emotions is a fundamentally bad idea. And I'm being serious. I'm not being flippant. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm completely serious. As a man, why is getting in touch with your feelings and emotions a good idea? Why does this make you a better person? I, I, I haven't heard any any reasons for this. Because it makes you more well-rounded? It doesn't make you more well-rounded. You've heard the phrase, a slave to your emotions. We just have to look at people who are slaves to their emotions. And, and I'd put about... I'm going to be generous here. I'd put about 80% of women as being slave to their emotions. Look how uptight they are. Look how they fly off the handle once a month for mysterious reasons which shall remain unspoken. They're, they're in touch with their feelings and emotions in, in the sense that their emotions rule them. I feel sorry for women, I really do, for the majority of women who are ruled by their emotions because they are emotional creatures much more than men. I really feel sorry. I, I, I just... I would hate to be in that situation. And I've had girlfriends, serious girlfriends, who were slaves to their emotions. Um, and I would just observe, kind of like I was observing a, a creature in a zoo, and see how they behaved. And it was very confusing to me how they behaved. It's like, well, X has happened. Okay, it was out of your control. Um, but if we do Y, if we do this over here then we can re rectify the situation somewhat. But no, no, they had to lose their minds, literally lose their minds, Hysteric, hysterical, bawling their eyes out, yelling at me when I had nothing to do with what was going on. I did all the time. This is what getting in touch with your emotions is, fellas. This is what getting in touch with your emotions is. It means to lose your brain and all cognitive possibilities of logically working out a problem that you might have, and instead to run around like a headless chick chicken, screaming and crying your eyes out. That's what getting in touch with your emotions is all about. Now, women want men to get in touch with their emotions um, because they want them to be in the same boat that they are. Yeah? Look, it's a common... Uh, you talk to long-term social workers or police officers... It's a very common situation, for example, let's say a young girl, 16 years old, 17 years old, 18 year old, uh, falls into um, prostitution. Um, and it doesn't never starts off with, I'm going to be a hardcore hooker. It's always like, oh, you know, you want the pretty dress, but you can't afford the pretty dress. And someone says, well, you know, I know this guy and blah, 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 blah. And they're really, you know, you're not going to be made to do anything you don't want to do. Blah, blah, blah. You get the money. Now you can buy the pretty dress. And it starts to go downhill from there. Now, what long-term social workers and police officers will tell you happens is that very often the, the young girl who's fallen victim now to this uh, behaviour will then rope in her immediate friends and get them involved in the prostitution uh, ring as well uh, and the reason is is because she'll feel better if she's not in the shit by herself 
if she's in trouble but a bunch of her other friends are in trouble with her, then that makes it just a little bit more bearable. This is very, very, very common behaviour. Very common. So women want men to get in touch with their emotions and feelings. Why? Because it will make the man more well-rounded. Well, that's what they want you to believe. That's what they want to believe. But the truth is, they just want you to be in the same world of pain that they are. The other thing you have to understand is that women don't know what they want. There's that really funny um, film, funny in the sense of it's it's hilarious to mock it, which is I think it's called What Me- What Women Want with Mel Gibson, where you can read their minds or something. Women don't know what they want. The whole premise of the film is flawed. Women don't know what they want at all. Um, they don't know what they want on a conscious level. They don't know what they want. They don't know what they want on a subconscious level, though. And what that means is that whatever they say they want, this is normally the opposite of what they want. So, for example, uh, if they want to, if they say they want a, a caring guy who listens to them uh, and 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 appreciates them as a as a woman and as a person, and wow, 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 wow. They'll, they'll say they want that. Now, your typical um, ins- or ill-informed man, so young man, ill-informed, listens to this. Okay, girl says she wants caring, nice guy who listens to her and appreciates her. Okay, I want the girl, all right? I'm a logical person. She says she wants this. I will do this, and I should get her. Well, it sounds amazing, isn't it? That could be so simple. She said what she wants. You do that and you should get what you want then. You get her, right? You get No, you don't get her because that's not what she wants. She doesn't want the nice guy caring who's going to listen to her and listen to all her emotional baggage. Just look at what she does. Does she go with those guys? No. What type of guys does she go with? Um, well, kind of guys that don't put up with all that shit now she frames them under bad guys and bastards and and beta males who are in this sort of trap of trying to listen to what women want and work out what to do then call all those guys bastards but they're not bastards i mean some of them might behave badly they might be assholes but not all of them are i'm definitely not uh probably there's a long line of women who will attest that i am anyway um but they're not like that at all. What that is, they're just not putting up with the shit. They're not. They're not playing along with what women say they want. So back to crying, the crying game. Women say they want a man who gets in touch with his emotions, which is a juxtaposition because men don't get in touch with their emotions. Men have to keep the emotions down so they can do the things that manly men are required to do. So women say they want a man who's in touch with their emotions, but so back in the 90s there was this saying for them, it was um, a snag, uh, which stood for sensitive new age guy. This came out in the early 90s. 
you need with all these these articles in magazines like Cosmopolitan and Clio and and all, all the rest of the rubbish and it was all over the mainstream media snag 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 you need to be a sensitive new age guy a sensitive god help me and I was young I was only 18 or 19 I believed this you have to be a sensitive new age guy okay all right uh, what, what is that well, that's a man who gets in touch with his feelings. That's a man who does things like meditate and yoga. By the way, meditation is really good. Which was this, this was the one, the one good thing <laughs> for me out of that whole snag bullshit was the meditation. That was actually pretty good. Um, anyway, look up snags. Sensitive new age guy. That's when this thing's first really started to surface in a um, cultural level. Uh, and women said they wanted the snags. Snags were it. But the thing is, snags never got laid. Oh, look, you would get laid, but it's what we t- term, uh, what, I, what I'd call a charity fuck. Now, a charity fuck is when two people in a situation where for the one person, um, it's just too hard socially not to sleep with that person than it is to sleep with them. Because if you don't sleep with them, then you are more or less rejecting them in a social sense. And because they're in maybe a network where this would be uncomfortable for you, it's better to sleep with them and then the next day say, oh, this was a dreadful mistake, it should never happen again, blah, 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 lie, 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 charity fuck. You'd be surprised that charity fucks, it's, it's more often men who are, who are charity fucking women, just so you know. Things that we do, eh? The things that we have to do, charity fuck. Have I done a charity fucks in the past? Yeah, 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 I have. Anyway. Was it worth it? Well, I'm still walking. Anyway, so sensitive new age guys weren't getting laid, apart from the old charity fuck here and there. And that's where this whole first thing of, of, of getting in touch with your emotions start to surface. And a big thing about this is modern men now are supposed to be able to cry. Crying's good. Crying will get you in touch with your emotions. Now, I use this example in the, in the piece that I wrote on the on the trait. Think of think of a historical manly man image of a man. I use Clint Eastwood in my example, um, but you could use. Steve McQueen would be another great another great one you could use. Um, Han Solo, let's say, in Star Wars. Were you ever going to see Han Solo cry? Now, Luke Skywalker I could see crying, especially in the first film. But would you ever see Han Solo cry? I mean, the whole... The whole if, if, the, if they made the film and at one point Han, Han Solo cried, the whole audience would be like, what the fuck? What the fuck? And, and it would just... It would just it would ruin the film, wouldn't it? It would ruin... And, and why would it ruin the film? Because it wouldn't ring true. And why doesn't it ring true? Because real men don't fucking cry. Clint Eastwood. Any movie. You pick the movie. Dirty Harry. Magnum Force. Is he going to cry? What? What? Any of his Western movies. Is Clint Eastwood going to cry? Are you serious? The Iger Sanction. My favourite Clint Eastwood film. Well, one of my favourite Clint Eastwood films. Is Clint Eastwood going to cry? No. He's not going to cry. But to value everything that, 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 that Clint Eastwood stands for. What does he stand for? Being a man. Toughing it out. Now, is it hard 
not to cry. Yes, that's the whole point. It is hard not to cry. It's hard to be a man. It's a lot easier to be a slave to your emotions and just to wallow in your own misery and all be miserable together. But, oh, you know, we're all, we're all about brotherly love and, and group hugs and ah, wah, 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 wah. Please, please, stop, stop right now. A man does not cry. A man is stoic. A man is a man among other men, but he's not de- dependent on brotherly, brotherly love to feel good. Can you imagine Clint Eastwood in one of his Western movies getting all hippie, hippie, lovey? Just doesn't happen. Just doesn't happen at all. So, basically... The reason that men, impressionable, be the males, and I was this, the only reason I decided I wanted to become a a sensitive new age guy back in the day was for for one reason only, and that's because um, I wanted to get laid. That was it. But I was prepared to betray all of, all manly principles. Just, just... For the chance of getting late. And for all of the, the, the beta males out there who are acting as if they're, you know, well, oh, there's something they're not. Oh, I'm listening. I'm getting in touch with my feelings. I'm a nice guy. I'm here for you. You're here for her. You're here for her because you want to get laid. That's it. Any women listening to this, any, any women, let, let, let me put it to you really, really plain, plainly. Any male friends that you have, any single male friends that you have, and this is, by the way, this is normally around the, the teenage up to about your mid-30s years. Okay, uh, If this is still happening afterwards, I, I despair. I despair anyway, but I really despair. But anyway, for all the women listening to this, any male friends that you have are only friends with you because they want to get laid. That's it. That, that That's the entire reason. Now, if you ask them this, if you go, let's say you've got, your best male friend, and he listens to you, and you, and whenever you have problems with the guys, you can cry on his shoulder, and you can call him up at three o'clock in the morning, and he will come around to your place, and you'll sit together in, and he'll sit with you in your bed, and 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 listen to you cry, and while you bawl your eyes out and eat chocolates because you know such and such guy's been so horrible, to, and he never tries to make a move on you. He's only doing this because he wants to get laid. And you can ask him directly. You can go to him and say, are you trying, are you just hanging around me because you want to get laid? And his reaction will be, oh my God, no, no, no way, man, no, no. And he'll be like, almost violent. It won't hit you, but he'll be violent in his, in his desperate need to deny all possible hints of impropriety on his part, on his behaviour. But he just wants to get laid. He's hoping that that time that you call him around at three o'clock in the morning, he climbs into bed with you and you're crying and he's stroking your hair and then you look at him and blah, 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 blah. You know, like that movie, Harry Met Sally? Yeah? Yeah? The movie, that movie, Harry Met Sally, where uh, Meg Ryan has the orgasm in the, in the deli. Uh, this is just the snag's wet dream. And that film is from the early 90s. The Harry character, the male character here, is the ultimate sensitive New Age guy. Now, he might act like an asshole occasionally, but that whole thing where he's going around and 
and he's comforting her and she's crying her eyes out and then they look at each other and then they start to, they make out and then they have sex. That's your beta male's wet dream. That's probably the favourite movie. That's probably the favourite movie of, 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 of most beta males from the 90s. And it should be the favourite movie of all beta males full stop. Because that that movie is about sensitive new age guys, beta males succeeding with their tactic, with their strategy of being the nice guy and the sensitive new age guy. So, you know, you'll cry with them, blah, 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 blah. Now, before you girls think, oh my God, that's so terrible. Hang on a sec. You're enablers. You know that they want to get laid. In a subconscious level, you know. You know that they want to fuck you. And you like having that around. You like that power. You like it. You like having that power of a guy there. Look, if, if a guy is running after a girl, or a, no, I'll put it a different way. If a guy and girl are hanging around, and at a certain point, the guy decides, you know what, this isn't the girl for me, that's it. It's done. It's finished. He's not going to hang around her more because he's not interested anymore. He'll just cut it off. And apparently, men are bastards for doing this. But are they? Would you prefer that he, he let her on, wasted her time, just, just kept, it all, kept it all going for no reason at all when he knew for days or weeks or months that this was never going to happen in a blue moon. That's being a real bastard. Men don't do that. As soon as we know that we're not interested, that's it. See ya. Women, however. <laughs> Women, if they get to the point where they realise that this isn't the man for them, but the man's still desperately, desperately running after them. He's taken to the movies. He's uh, taken to the zoo. I hate... Oh, I've got to do it. Okay, so the Soviet men, the people's blog. Uh, let me get it up here. Today he wrote, or yesterday he wrote a post, my red pill moment. Uh, and he's on, my, he's on my sidebar, so you can, you can go through and have a look. But he, it's a good post. And he's talking about there how he was running after this girl once and he he took her to the zoo. He took her to the zoo. <sighs> took the girl to the zoo. Nice guys take girls to the zoo. It's a date. We'll take her to the zoo, buy her an ice cream. Yeah. The girl the whole time knew that she didn't want to be with him in a romantic sense. But she... She was still, she was still there, being taken to the zoo, being taken to the movies, maybe being even taken away for a two or three day little holiday where he'd hoped that it'd all happen. But I'm not ready. It's not the right time. Who's being the bastard now? Girls love the attention. They live off it because why? Because they're emotional. Because they're in touch with their emotions. They're in touch with their feelings. And they like the knowledge that a guy is desperate for them, even though they've got no 
inclination at all. They know for 100% surety that they're never going to be with this guy. They will keep him around for months and months and months. So girls, don't start getting all self-righteous and high and mighty because I've given you the knowledge that every single male friend you have wants to sleep with you. You're enablers. I'd say you're worse. It's all emotions. It's all emotions, emotions, emotions. So let's go back to what we're talking about, and that's crying. Kim Hughes is remembered for one thing only. Not that he was Australian cricket captain, but that he cried like a little girl when he was the Australian cricket captain. Because that's not what a man does. So, from this moment on, no crying, boys. No crying. Now, you're thinking to yourself, Adam, when I watch sappy movies, sometimes my tears well up in my eyes. Is that okay? My first reaction is, why are you watching sappy movies? God damn it. If you really like sappy movies, and as long as no one else sees the tears in your eyes, it's just like, listen, and, and you make believe that there's some dust that got in your eye and you can't get it out, okay. Fine. Adam, what if my dog dies? Am I allowed to? No. You're not allowed to cry. My, my best friend's wedding? No. My father dies. It's the funeral. Stoicism. Stoic. Give your speech, give your eulogy, and keep it together, man. Keep it together, because no one wants to see you blubbering up there like an infant. Keep it together. That's what being a man's about. Everyone else at that funeral can be losing their shit and bawling their eyes out, but you are standing there solid. You're crushed. Your father has passed away, or whoever it is, but you're keeping it together. No crying. Girlfriend breaks up with you? <gasps> she did you a favour, man. She did you a favour. Go out with the boys. Get drunk. Call her names. That's what you do. That's good. Crying? No. Let's see. What else could we possibly cry? Uh, your partner cheated on you. Your business partner. Your business partner cheated on you. You've been declared bankrupt. He's run off with all the money and your wife. Are you allowed to cry? No. Are you allowed to hire some assassins? To ra- yes. But no crime. Your team wins the grand final. Ah, oh, but then they get taken away from them on a technicality at the last minute. Can I cry? No. Can I beat up the referee? Yes. You go all in on a poker hand. On the flop, with the stone-cold nuts, three other callers. It's a $5,000 pot. There's a... There's a, a there's, your opponents need two running cards to beat you. The chances of them getting this is less than 1%. They get it. Stony face. Don't jump up. Don't jump up and start running around and screaming. I, I, there's a few there's a few guys I play cricket with. When they get out, when they're batting, they get out, they storm off the pitch, they throw their bat, they throw their helmet, they swear, they carry on, blah, 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 blah. 
This is almost as bad as crying. It's just a waste of energy. You got out, okay? Deal with it. Deal with it like a man. Would you see Clint Eastwood throwing his bat? Would you see Steve McQueen throwing his bat? Would Han Solo throw his bat? No. If if you can think of one good situation where you can cry, apart from getting kicked in the balls, if you can think of one good situation when, when you think you're allowed to cry, leave a comment on this or on my blog, and I'll tell you whether or not it's acceptable or not. But chances are it's not. And even if it was acceptable, which I doubt it would be, but even if it was, I'd still probably say no. That's how often you're allowed to cry as a man. That's it. Have we got that clear? So to paraphrase, no crying, no getting in touch with your emotions. Getting in touch with your emotions is not a good thing. Okay? The ancients warned us about getting in touch with emotions. There's all these fables and gods and stuff about showing the dangers of getting in touch with your emotions. God, why, do you, why would you want to have... Because you want to get laid? Go, get a prostitute. There's this bunch of 18-year-old girls have dragged all their friends in there with them. Go, go do that. Just do it. Get it out of your system. Yeah? Don't rem- remember the golden rule, as we used to say in Uganda, if you were going to sleep with the locals, three on the tree. Yeah? Three condoms. But just go do that. I like that. I think it's the Thai culture where fathers take their teenage sons to a prostitute. Right, lose your virginity. Yeah, you've done it. Great. Fine. So, now you know what it's about. Okay. It's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. Of course, these days, you know, the Western world, that'd be child abuse. If you took your, you know, 18-year-old son or 17-year-old son along to a hooker. Just do it in Thailand. Oh, I don't know. Fuck, anyway. Um, so that's uh, Pushing Rubber Podcast. We'll call this one the crying episode. Um, I've got some notes here, but I think I've covered everything I wanted to cover. Yes, I have. Um, shout outs, quick shout out to Aaron Cleary who sponsors my podcast. Thank you, Aaron. You can find Aaron at captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Uh, he has his own podcast as well, as well as his asshole consulting where he, um, you can pay him and he'll solve your problems in a, with a YouTube video. And he has a new book out, which has just come out called Reconnaissance Man, um, which is about I think it's kind of like a examination of what I basically did in my first book, which was not go to university because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Ride my motorbike across Australia. I chased a girl. It all went to shit. It's not a spoiler alert. Everyone knows it went to shit. And from then on, how did I proceed in my life? How did I change my circumstances? How did I grow as a man and I did that through becoming a whitewater rafting guide and going to places like Uganda and having witch doctors chase me around which was pretty fun so that's what my book is about pushing rubber downhill um and Aaron's written this book called reconnaissance man which I think is kind of along the same lines though there's no whitewater rafting or witch doctors but he's he's examining I think um the same sort of uh track that I took so go check that out. Um, check my book out, of course. 
Um, and I've got a new book coming out. Uh, it's with the editor, my editor now. Um, still haven't heard back from him. It's killing me. It's killing me. Uh, it's with my editor. It's called Run Guts, Pull Cones. And it's about a five-month rafting season in Italy and all of the shenanigans that went down. And it's also it's also a book about masculinity because rafting, whitewater rafting, when you, the river guides are living and working together for a season, very, very intense, very masculine job. Uh, and so it's an examination of all of the personality clashes and the dynamics within that group and, and how best to go about dealing with that. So... And there's lots of sex and drugs and rock and roll, which is all what my first book was about as well. So thanks for listening to this. Um, Tune in next week where uh, I'll talk about, um, I don't know, not crying though, because I covered it. And um, don't you guys go changing. Toodles.